0: Welcome to the 24-Minute Bible Podcast featuring Pastor Mark Minor, where we will journey together to help you grasp how the Bible fits together to provide a coherent, understandable, and historical book. The purpose of this podcast is not to convince, but to help you understand. Not to defend, but to connect the dots of this most amazing book. Not to debate, but to discover the plan of the Bible. There is a plan. If you enjoy what you hear today, please leave us a review. It really does help us. And now here's Pastor Mark.
1: Well, welcome today to episode 42 of the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. And today we're going to be talking about Bible-based tips on prayer. Now, you may be listening to this, perhaps your first time or a recent listener, and you, and you might say, Mark, I thought this was about the Bible. I thought we were having a simple and, uh, and on a journey to simply understand the Bible. Well, that is absolutely correct. But as uh, we understand and as we seek to know the Bible and to understand it, uh, there is a really important premise that you and I need to understand, and that is the absolute necessity of prayer in understanding the Bible. Some people can read the Bible as a book of literature. Uh, they can read it as a historical book. But if you're truly seeking to understand the, the impact and the insight of the Bible, then prayer is going to be an integral part of that. I compare it to eating and drinking. You sit down for a meal, uh, you take a few bites of your meat, your vegetables, whatever it may be, and then you take a drink. And, and it's, it's that back and forth that makes the meal that wonderful experience that it is. Well, it's the same thing with the Bible. As we read through the Bible, there will be things that we obviously don't understand. There were things that the saints wrote down that they weren't understanding, and they prayed to have some understanding. And so as we talk, we're going to be looking at a few prayers out of the Bible. There are some great prayers in the Bible. Obviously, uh, the saints prayed. We know our Savior prayed, and he taught us how to pray. But prayer is more than just a communication with God. It is a conversation to, in a way, to understand the Bible. Uh, today, many people text, uh, a lot of people text all the time. And, and, you know, your phone is always on. And so something comes up and you, you pull out your phone and you, you just automatically shoot a text to your spouse or to your children or, or to your boss or something. Because if something came to mind and you, you want an answer, and one of the things about texting is that you can get a pretty immediate answer and it can be short and concise and it's to the point. Well, it's the same thing with praying as we seek to understand the Bible. Uh, We we send God a little text. Hey, Lord, what's up with this? I don't understand this. Can you give me some understanding or insight into this issue or this person? Our God and Father, he's more interested than Apple is or than anybody else in this world is for you to make that communication, that, that touch point with God. And so prayer is a way of understanding the Bible. And make no mistake about it, the very best teacher of a book is the author of the book. So as we connect with him in prayer, uh, our understanding is going to increase. Uh, A little story some years ago, I've mentioned this before, I, I played drums. Uh, in a Christian band, an evangelistic team called the Good News Circle. And we were in a town called Cerrito Canova, West Virginia, very near Huntington, West Virginia, if that communicates with you. We were doing an outdoor, we used to call them crusades on the football field, five nights of reaching out to the community and, and sharing our faith in, in Christ. And <clears throat> during that period of time, there were a couple of young men, my, me playing the drums always attracted some, some boys around who also wanted to play the drums or were involved in music. And, and so two of those boys uh, became pretty good friends during that week. Uh, one was named Mike and one was named Dale. And uh, you might know Mike now. He no longer goes by Mike. He now goes by Michael, Michael W. Smith. And, <clears throat> but at that time, he was just Mike. <clears throat> and he was there and from this town of Cerrito Canova. Uh, and so we got to be good friends. We actually went around and knocked on doors and invited people to uh, come to the meetings uh, and, and be a part of the event there at the town football field. Of course, later on, decades after that, uh, Michael becomes uh, you know a very famous songwriter and uh, lives in Nashville, Franklin today. And, but uh, all that to say, <clears throat> uh, One of the things, I had an opportunity to reconnect with him some years ago. I was at uh, Bob Laurent, who was the uh, evangelist and leader of our group. I was at his house, and Michael was staying there with Bob because there's still a very good, tight connection uh, between the Good News Circle and some of us and and Michael W. So I just happened to be there, and and Michael sat down at the piano, and we were talking about some of the songs he'd written. And one of the songs, you might remember this song, is called Friends. It was his first hit. I think he might have got a Grammy for it. I'm not sure. Regardless, it was a very, very popular song. But the song, as we talked, uh, it has meaning behind it. He, he told me and told us, all of us there in the room, uh, uh, what instigated, what caused the writing of that song. And it was a, a death of one of his friends, one of the young men that I'd known from Sarita Canova, West Virginia, who had... Uh, <clears throat> lost his life in his twenties, uh, so <clears throat> there was a, a reason for writing it. And and as we listened to Michael describe why he wrote it, and friends are friends forever, and the Lord's the Lord of all, and you know the words if you know the song, uh, it all became even more meaningful. I, it made more sense. The lyrics made sense. The the impact of what was being said makes sense because the author of the the words was speaking and describing them to us sitting there in uh, that home in, in uh, Chicago, listening to the author write about it, talk about his song that he'd written. So it's the same way with the Bible. That's my point. Having the author give you insight about why he or she wrote something whether a poem or a song or a book is is always it always leads to a new depth of meaning well we have the holy spirit in us and the holy spirit is the author of the book it's god present tense we don't always understand the bible the meaning of a passage or a book uh, but Jesus promised us that we would have a counselor, and that is his spirit. In fact, in John 14, 26, the Bible says, But the counselor, this is Jesus talking now, red letters, if you will. Uh, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have told you. That's John 14, 26. So we, we have somebody who will interpret the... Uh, sometimes very difficult passages, or the passages that maybe we don't connect, and I've seen that over and over again as God has done that for me. So, truly, our our episode today, as we talk about prayer tips, uh, Bible-based prayer tips, it's not just a lesson about learning how to pray. It really is a, a, an instruction, if you will. On combining prayer with Bible reading, if you truly want to go on in your faith and if you want to understand what the author is saying, you have the opportunity to sit down at the piano bench with him and say, I don't understand these lyrics. I don't understand this truth. That was a very difficult thing you just said, Father. Can you give me deeper insight?" And the Holy Spirit who lives within you, if you're a believer, will begin to interpret and help you understand. Jesus promise that that paraclete, that guide, that counselor that lives within us would help us to understand. So prayer is a vital part of reading the Bible. Now I'm going to give you just a few tips. I'm going to take four or five prayers here uh, real simply and hopefully succinctly. And just help you to understand a few things that I think are important concerning prayer. We're going to use some of the prayers of the saints uh, and, uh, that are recorded in the Bible. So let's, let's talk, for example, about the prayer of Daniel. Many prayers that are recorded in the book of Daniel. But one of them that uh, I find profound is Daniel, 4, excuse me, Daniel 9, verses 4 through 6. And, and here's what it says. It's a little bit long, but hang with me if you will. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. Now, that's Daniel's beginning of his prayer or his introduction to the prayer. Now, here is the prayer. Remember, this is Daniel. Daniel that uh, stood uh, for prayer. Daniel that uh, was in the lion's den. Daniel that is uh, lifted up by God himself as, as a man after his heart and the sense of his faith and his purity and his courageousness. That Daniel. And now listen to how Daniel prays, though. Lord, this is the prayer, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keeps his commandments. Verse five, we have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and your laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets. Now I'm going to stop right there and say, wait a minute this is Daniel. That's not true. Daniel had not done any of those things. He had been faithful before holy God. And yet, as you notice Daniel's approach to prayer, he's very humble. He includes himself with his people. He recognizes, even though he probably sees the distinction between himself and his lifestyle and those around him, he doesn't get caught up in making judgments or in condemning. In fact, uh, Jesus uh, kind of gave us the same type of idea in uh, Luke 18 when Jesus was talking about people praying. And he hears the words of Jesus, Don't assume, as the Pharisees did, that you are blameless. And they would say, I thank, I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, robbers and evildoers and adulterers, or even like that tax collector over there. Now, Jesus was teaching his disciples to come humbly before God. You may think you're something, and maybe you are something. Daniel was something. He was walking in faith with God, but we're never as close as we need to be, and we can always move into a more intimate relationship with him. The way to access God is through humility and humbleness. The humble will have access to the inner sanctum of God. And I think that's what Daniel's prayer teaches us. Let's look at a second prayer. A gentleman by the name of Bruce Wilkinson many years ago wrote a book, actually a small book, but it sold a billion copies. It's called The Prayer of Jabez. And it's really kind of a unique prayer. It's the only time we really understand anything about Jabez. It's found in 1 Chronicles 4, 9. And yet the prayer is there for a purpose and a reason. Uh, And it's important for us just to understand what Jabez says. So let me read 1 Chronicles 4, 9. It says this. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. In verse 10. Jabez cried out to the Lord, the God of Israel. And here is his uh, prayer. Uh, He says, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And the scripture continues, And God granted his request. Now that may seem like a very self-centered prayer, and we don't know all of the background. Jabez was perhaps conceived in pain. Maybe he had some sort of birth defect that, that caused him some pain. So he was very aware of that. Certainly Jabez has something to do, the name has something to do with pain. And yet I, I would just point to you the, the substance of his prayer. And it's simply this. Don't be shy when you pray. Tell God what you want. Jabez did. He wanted to be blessed. He wanted to have his territory enlarged. He wanted to be free from pain. Those aren't bad prayers. Those aren't just self-centered prayers. Now, if it's only about you and not for the benefit of others, uh, perhaps that might have a little uh, self-centeredness to it. But still, you know, if, if you want to be in pain, you've got some problems. You're masochistic, and we need to pray for you to be delivered from that. There's nothing wrong with the prayer of Jabez, but I would just simply say, don't be shy. Tell God what you want. He already knows your heart. And if you ask, even if it is happen- or the words happen to be wrong, you give God an opportunity to show you your wrong motives, to say no, because that is an answer to prayer just as much as yes is, and then to give you a better prayer for your life. So as we read through the prayers in the Bible, as we think about eating and drinking, praying and Bible reading, pray for yourself. Ask God, but ask in specifics and and be bold. Don't be shy. Let him know what you need. He does already know your needs, but you empower him to act when you begin to speak. And if you really want to empower God, begin to pray scripture. And there are many books out there that talk about taking hold of verses. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That's Philippians 4.19. So when I take that word and I begin to pray it back at God, I'm simply saying what he said. I can't go wrong. And God is going to honor his book of promises, and all of the covenants and promise that he has given to you and to me and to all humanity throughout all the ages. So, uh, like Jabez, don't be shy, be specific, ask God for what you need. Prayer number three is the prayer of Moses. Now Moses, we know about the whole story about Moses, and now he's at this point in uh, Exodus 32, he's leading the children of Israel Uh, up to Mount Sinai and eventually going to lead them into the desert uh, for ultimately 40 years. But this is the prayer. These are the words that Moses prayed because the children of Israel had rebelled. They had gone uh, away from God. They made the golden calf. You remember that story. And yet Moses, who could have said, get these people away from me. Because Moses had been with God. He'd been at the burning bush. He'd been the instrument through which ten incredible miracles had happened in Egypt. So the power of God. He'd been on the mountain with God. He could have said, I'm so different than these people. Get them away. Give me some better folks, Lord. I'm sure every, many pastors have said that as they've thought about their churches, perhaps. But here's the heart of God, and it's shown it through this prayer of Moses, uh, and it's Exodus 32:31. and here's what the Bible says. So Moses went back to the Lord and said, Oh, what a great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves gods of gold. Now here's the money verse, here's the important verse, because God said, I'll I'll eliminate these people. I don't think God ever had that intention. It was probably a test very similar to Abraham. But regardless, God said those words. But listen to how Moses responded. But now, please forgive their sin. In other words, God's interceding for the sins of his people just what you and I should be doing. But then he goes a little bit farther. and this is, the, this is the important part, I think. But if not, if you will not forgive their sins, then blot me out of the book you have written. Now think about what Moses was doing there, my friend. He was putting himself in the gap. He was standing up for those people who really were unworthy and undeserving. And yet he was doing exactly what Jesus Christ did for us. He was putting himself on the line. He was standing in the gap. He was interceding for an unworthy people with a love that is audacious and beyond expectation. When you begin to pray like that, God honors the heart of a man or a woman who stands in the gap, who is willing to sacrifice for themselves even simply for the benefit and blessing of others. It's exactly what Jesus did, and, and that's why the prayer of Moses, I think, is so profound. So the prayer tip is simply that. Put yourself... Uh, in harm's way, if you will. And so pray for people who may not deserve it, people who've wandered away, people who have harmed you or done you uh, wrong. One of the most healing things and and life-changing, transformative things you can do, excuse me there, uh, is to put yourself in the position to be praying for your enemies, to bless them and not curse them. And what will happen is that God will see the heart of Moses, his heart in you. And God will move heaven and hell to change things because you've been praying love over people just like God himself did, most specifically as Jesus prayed for his children for the nation Israel and ultimately for us today. So the prayer of Moses, prayer tip three, put yourself on the line, stand in the gap for people. Prayer number four, and this is the prayer of God. It's really the prayer of the Holy Spirit. It's found in Romans eight twenty-six. You may not we not may not understand all that's going on in the spiritual realm, and there's much, but one of the things that's happening in the spiritual realm is that the Holy Spirit is currently interceding for us. We have someone praying for us that is not of a human origin. It is God Himself. Romans eight twenty-six says this. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself is intercedes for us through wordless groans. So you have God himself praying for you. A lot of times in our scripture study and in our prayer life, we don't feel adequate. Maybe you've been standing at a basketball game or a football game, and, and somebody's singing the Star Spangled Banner. I've seen this happen a few times where and it's a very difficult song to sing. The words can be a little confusing. And I've seen it a few times where somebody got so caught up in hitting the right note that they got lost in the words. One of the wonderful things is I've seen the crowd just sort of jump in and begin to help them. I've seen the same thing at church when somebody's maybe forgotten the words, didn't know how to get there. Then others who maybe knew the words filled in the blanks and carried that person along. Well, that's what the Spirit does for us. He carries us along. He prays for us when we don't know the words to pray. So uh, when you read things in the Bible that you don't understand, stop and pray and say, Holy Spirit, I don't understand this. You are the interpreter. You're the one who knows the meaning of this. You wrote this book. Uh, Help me understand what I just read. That's not a bad prayer. In fact, that's a very courageous prayer. I actually prayed that prayer one day. I was reading Leviticus, and as I was reading through Leviticus 19, I came to verse 19, and part of that verse says this, do not plant your field with two kinds of seed. Now I read that verse and I thought, God, why are you wasting your breath? I mean, what kind, what, what profound meaning is there in this verse? But as I prayed and I said, Lord, you know, give me some insight here. Uh, the Lord spoke to me as clearly as He's ever spoken to me before, and He said, in, in my mind, uh, not in an audible voice, but in my mind, he, he confirmed to me these words. He said, "Mark, go home and uh, speak to your wife when you get in, and say, uh, you know, you're you're a beautiful woman. Uh, I love your new hairdo, and it looks like you've just gained 15 pounds." Now, what did I just do? I sewed two. Kinds of seed in the same field. I gave her two compliments, but then I gave her one criticism. Let me ask you, which one is she going to remember? Not the two compliments, she's going to remember the criticism. So don't plant two kinds of seed in the same field. And and the Holy Spirit gave me that understanding from that very simple verse. And listen, for me, it has been profound. I have not, uh, I've been very careful. When I compliment people, it's time for compliments. If there's a time to admonish people, then let it be about that. But don't waste your breath planting two kinds of seed in the same field. Now, I don't know if that means anything to you, but it has transformed my life. And it all started with a simple prayer. Holy Spirit, I don't understand this verse. It doesn't make any sense to me. Can you give me some insight? The author of the book will do that for you. The last prayer that we're going to look at here is uh, the thief on the cross. You remember him, Jesus, dying on the cross. There's one on the right, one on the left. And one of the thieves mocks Jesus and, and says, Oh, if you're such a great God, why don't you get us down from this cross, yourself and us as well. But the other thief looks at Jesus. And according to Luke 23, 42, he says these words, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Nine simple words. A very simple request. And if you will remember Jesus' response to him uh, was was very simple as well. My friend, this day you will be with me in paradise. Now, as odd as this next statement may seem, perhaps the greatest thing that ever happened to that thief was him getting crucified. Because it was via that crucifixion that he came in contact with the Messiah Savior. And he said a very simple prayer, a simple request to the God of the universe, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So the prayer tip is simply this, simple prayers, simple requests, because it really is a simple gospel. So as you don't have to, to elaborate with all kinds of eloquent words. In fact, Jesus' tip on praying was this, found in Matthew 6. He says, "And When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites who love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close your door, pray to your Father who is unseen, then your Father who sees what is done in secret. He will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like all these pagans who think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. As we think about reading the Bible, as we think about the truths that God has given to us in, in a written form, ask him uh, to, under, to help you understand the promises, the structure, the insight from God's word. It will change your life. Hey, thank you so much for being a part. Uh, Next week, episode 43, we're going to be talking about Bible signs of end times. I hear many people saying we are in the last days. We may be. We're going to look at some of those things. But I'm also going to give a second topic to this episode. and It's simply going to be how some things never change. Because we do see that uh, the world continues to revolve. And some of the things that God has said would take place in the last days uh, are really a tie back to the beginning days because Satan and evil, and some of the motives of the dark side have not changed in the thousands of years we've been on this planet. So anyway, that's next week, Bible Signs of End Times. Hey, thank you so much for being a part. I hope this was helpful for you. Always enjoy the fact that you give me 24, 25, 26 minutes today uh, uh, just to share a little bit with you. Uh, Have a blessed day and look forward to seeing you next week.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and look forward to continuing this journey to understanding the Bible, please subscribe to the channel. And if you would be so kind, please share it with your friends who might enjoy it as well. Join us next week with Mark Miner for another episode as we continue to explore how the Bible so beautifully fits together. May you have a blessed week. And may God be glorified in your lives.